This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast, and today I am excited to welcome back Dr. Elizabeth Adams. Dr. Elizabeth is a clinical psychologist who specializes in child development, child behavior, and working with children and families. She is the co-founder of an app called Trussell, an online service that provides parent coaching directly to parents across the world. She is no stranger to the Happy as a Mother podcast. She was here for episode eight, talking about navigating the overwhelm of information for parents. And she was also here for episode 21, making informed decisions about baby sleep. Today, Dr. Elizabeth and I are diving into helping you manage this parenting storm of COVID. I have heard from so many of you that it has been such a juggle and really it's, it's, it's an impossible load to carry to think that we're going to parent full-time, work full-time, and take on the responsibility of educating our children full-time. Like Dr. Elizabeth says in this upcoming episode, the math just does not add up. So today we're talking about setting realistic expectations during this time, what it's like to have a routine versus having a really itemized schedule, and also how to choose your battles. We get into a really interesting conversation about grief and managing crisis, which I think is so important because we're all collectively feeling this crisis right now at this moment. Before we jump in, let's hear the review of the week. This iTunes review comes from Haley Sullivan, and it's titled Great Resource. This is such an amazing resource for mamas in all stages of motherhood. Erica is so inspiring and brings so much joy to her community. Definitely recommend making this podcast your new fave listen. Thank you so much, Haley, for this amazing review. I love to hear your feedback and how this is impacting you guys. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to drop me this encouraging review. Without further ado, let's hear my interview with Dr. Elizabeth Adams. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Dr. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us during this just extremely chaotic time. I'm so happy to have you here. You know how much I value your input. And this is a really big topic we're addressing today, which we're all feeling right now is COVID and how to manage it. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here and being able to talk to you. 
Um, and it's, it's definitely uh, a new a new challenge for parents. And it is a hard time to be a parent right now, a really hard time. Yeah. Like for those who aren't familiar with you, you are the co-founder of an app called Trestle. You're also a professor and you are a mother. You juggle many things. Um, so you and I both are right in the thick of it, feeling this along with so many other parents. And off air before this, we were talking about just this picture. Like if we step back right now, the world has just stopped in a way that it has never stopped before. Mm -hmm. Like literally planes have landed, people are in their houses and things are just so, I don't even know. It's not calm. It's more eerie because it's in the state of a crisis, right? Absolutely. But we're isolated to ourselves in these bubbles. So now we have to try to resume some sort of normalcy of life. And that involves juggling so many things. So can we lay out kind of what those expectations are right now on us? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really important place to start because we are just in this unbelievably unprecedented time. And I think everybody in some in some ways is going into this somewhat blind. Like we're facing challenges as parents, as professionals, um, you know, as as partners uh, to to significant others under circumstances that we've never experienced before. And a lot of uh, and that throws off the systems. It throws off the the balance that we're able to maintain in our relationships and in work and in parenting. And uh, the the strain that's been put on it and the expectations that have kind of been forced onto us because of the situation are truly um, unrealistic. Like the math mm-hmm. just just doesn't, it doesn't add up. If you have um, you know, full-time working parents that are now responsible for child care, that are now responsible for teaching or part-time working parents or stay-at-home parents who, um, you know, might all of a sudden have different responsibilities as well. Um, it's, it's an incredible challenge. And I think mm-hmm. one that uh, requires a shift in systems that I think aren't quite settling yet. Um, so absolutely, absolutely. I think that we really need to paint a realistic picture here. Like I released a post earlier this week sharing that right now we're being expected to be a full-time parent, be a full-time employee, be a full-time teacher and educator to our children. And that is just impossible. Like it's impossible. Let's put it out there. You are not going to do any of those things successfully. And it's unrealistic to expect yourself to be able to juggle and manage and do that. And I've had a couple of people in like the hundreds of thousands of people who have seen and responded to this post. I've had a few say, oh, but you know, people can do it. You should add that it's like under duress. We can't do it. And I'm like, okay, if you're doing it, you're a unicorn. Good on you that you're managing this. Like, I mean, okay, there's a couple of unicorns out there potentially in the world, but I know that for the majority of the working force or even like we are stay-at-home moms for a reason. We are part-time stay-at-home mom, part-time working mom for a reason, like part-time splitting up that role or we're working moms for a reason because you cannot do all All of the things 
yourself yeah. all the time. It's just unrealistic. Yeah. So moms out there, you're not failing at trying to juggle this. This is just insane. It's unrealistic. It's not possible. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree with you. I think there are things we can do to manage. I think there are things we can do to try to make things better um, or easier. But I do not think that there is a way to feasibly uh, be able to do all of those things successfully, full stop, uh, every day. Like it's just exactly. not, it's, it's not realistic. And, and I think yeah. if we, if we go into it with that expectation, because that's the thing, like we're asking people to parent, like you're, you're saying, you know, reduce your expectations for mm-hmm. your child's education, reduce your expectations for the way that you perform at work, reduce your expectations of what your relationship is going to work, look like. And that's incredibly uncomfortable for people mm-hmm. because you're asking them in some ways to take a step back, um, and, and, recognize that it's not going to look the way that you would want it to look. And it's not going to look the way it did before this. And that's Mm -hmm. a tough, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Um, But I think if we go into it thinking that it's going to look exactly the same, we're going to end up feeling defeated and feeling like Mm -hmm. if we're setting ourselves up for an expectation that's not realistic to me. Yeah. And I spoke with last week, Brianna of South Bay Mommy and Me in another Coping with COVID-related episode that we did. And we talked about like the next day after school shut down, all of these schedules circulated. And they were like down to the 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And it was like this knee-jerk reaction for us to want to like organize and have certainty around this really crazy uncertain time. Yeah. And I recognize the need for that. And we're here because we know and you and I as therapists and as mental health experts and, you know, know and have an understanding that we can cope, we are resilient, and there are ways to manage. Mm-hmm. But so much of that has to do with adjusting your expectations and not setting the bar even higher for yourself right now in terms of your expectation of what you can juggle, but really being fluid and adjusting those expectations accordingly. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think we have to strip it all the way back to what do we know when, when we're thinking about parenting, you know, and we'll talk about taking care of yourself as a, in terms of your career and nurturing that piece. But when we think about parenting uh, and we strip it all the way back, it's okay. We need to provide kids with nurturing relationships and we need to provide them with some level of predictability. And for a lot of like, like, those are the two basic things. And and then if you have to choose between those two things, the nurturing relationship is the one you choose, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that predictability for kids often comes in the form of a routine. Um, mm-hmm. And people naturally depend on order and predictability. Uh, but different people require different levels of that. Yeah. And most children need some sort of level of predictability, particularly in the face of uncertainty 
And at the same time, it is so hard to provide predictability when everybody is trying to scramble. And mm-hmm. so I think it, it's kind of drilling down and, and it's not about like, here's the perfect schedule for, for mm-hmm. every family. I think it's trying to figure out what are the things that we can think through with parents that can help them wrap their heads around a routine that provides some some predictability for their children, but is also flexible and realistic in terms of expectations. And I think that's that's where you want to start. Yeah. And like what I'm really hearing is that like a routine and a schedule in my mind are two different things. Like I have a rhythm and a routine to my day with the boys. And yes, that has changed since we're not rushing to the school bus and, you know, all of that. It has changed, but it is a rhythm and a flow and a routine. Like you said, that predictability. What it is not for me in my home is a by the minute schedule color coded with all of the activities and, you know, tabletop top and schoolwork and itemized details in it that need to be accomplished that day. Because I can tell you if my three-year-old wakes up that day in a crusty mood, I'm going to fail from like the beginning of the day because it's just not going to be achievable for me and for my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you know, I do think for some people, there are certain families that thrive in that level of structure. And one of the things we've been doing at Trestle, we've been offering um, specific consultations around um, setting up a schedule during this time and like helping parents think through what's going to work for them. Yeah. And even, you know, in my talking to my friends, we're sort of, we're having this dialogue and there isn't, there isn't this holy grail of like, here it is. I have cracked the code and figured it out. It's more thinking about each of the circumstances and starting with knowing yourself and knowing your mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. There are some parents and some kids out there that are going to struck that are going to thrive in a highly, highly structured routine. Yes. I more fall into your camp where we have an outline, but there is not a time to be found on our whiteboard of schedule for the day. Um, because that would stress me out and it would stress my daughter out. And so it's more moving through the routine without having a hard and fast schedule for us. Um, those are some of the things I think to think about, um, when you're, when you're trying to create a routine that's going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it has so much to do with, like you said, the family, because what's happened is people will share schedules at work for them on their Instagram and they're often Pinterest worthy and, you know, very uh, maybe ambitious or however. And if, like we said, if that works for you and your family, that's wonderful. But what I'm feeling and what I'm hearing and the feedback I'm getting from moms is that they see that and they think that's what they should be doing for their family. And that's when it starts to fall apart because that should is that expectation we're internalizing for ourselves to try and mimic a routine or a structure that may work in somebody else's home, but isn't going to work in my home. Right. So it's so important what you're saying is that We look at our family, we look at our children and our needs, and we come up with a routine and a structure that works for us. Mm -hmm. And even if that's bare bones because we're in survival, then it's bare bones. Like that, it is what it is, right? Yep. I think it it, it is what it is. And even 
you know, I will say the first, the first two weeks that this started, um, my daughter was on spring break and I was like, I am not ready to put a routine in place. I, I need to figure everything else first. And it was kind of, um, you know, Lord of the flies over here, like whatever we're doing at the moment <laughs> is like what we're going to do. And, and it, it, I, that's really what I needed to do for the first mm-hmm. week. Like I was like, I'm going to have no expectations on myself. Like I just kind of need to figure out what I'm going to do with work and how my husband and I are going to, going to block our schedule to give each other time. And, you know, we took that time and, I will say, you know, now her, her learning, her distance learning <laughs> curriculum has kicked in and, uh, on Monday and I was dreading, like dreading it. I'm like, I, how is, how am I going to do this? I can't fit this in. And it was interesting because I actually think, uh, it's been helpful for her. Hmm. Like she has appreciated and it's not, it hasn't been crazy. Like they send a, cause she's in kindergarten and they send, you know, uh, like five or so activities to do. And I've been using it just to block out, like, here's the expectations of, of what we're going to try to get done through the day. And we go over it in the morning and it kind of, it helps it helps me. And sometimes, you know, like today she was really not, not feeling the math activity. And so we didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And like, that was it, you know? (laughs) like Okay. We're not going to. Well, I think that that's such an important piece, right? And like when we're talking about managing schedules and setting these expectations is that having that flexibility, right? Like this is not, this is not a written in stone thing that if it, if you don't accomplish it this day, then you're failing Mm -hmm. at, you know, homeschooling your child that day. It's like each day we're going to be managing things differently with new news that comes out and new heightened anxiety around the crisis that we're facing. Like there are so many factors impacting us and our ability to see some of these things through that we have to be compassionate and flexible with ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And you know, here's the thing that's kind of funny too, because I think it's worth remembering this. I was reminding myself of this this morning. Um, Before I, before I, started Trestle, I worked uh, in a school setting for several years. I worked at an inclusion school as as a clinical psychologist there. And so I worked alongside teachers. And teachers who are professionals at doing this sometimes have power struggles with their students around getting work done. Sometimes Mm. we'll do a lesson and realize that did not go the way that I thought it was going to go or I expected it to go in my head. Um, Mm. You know, I taught social skills groups to kids and there were absolutely days I would have this beautiful lesson planned and I would have this idea in my head and it wouldn't go as expected. And that's okay. Like I, Mm. I I think also part of this is going to be a process that we iterate on. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and that means it's going to change day by day, as you mentioned. And it's also recognizing, you know, I was working with a family and we started with blocking her and, and her husband's schedule in four hour kind of chunks during the day. And then they were both working at night a little bit, which is a, a huge, a huge carry. Um, but it ended up not working for them. 
because Mm. you would have meetings pop up. So they had to schedule and kind of switch in two hour time periods. And it's, it's figuring out and, and being reflective of if something doesn't work, why? Mm -hmm. Right. Not, oh my gosh, nothing's ever going to work. And I throw it all out the window um, and forget all of it. But like, okay, maybe my expectations are too high or maybe my child, um, you know, maybe we're putting too many tasks together. And I think thinking developmentally about kids is important too. I mean, your, your average elementary school kid can focus for 20 to 25 minutes and that's, you know, younger kids, it's much less. And that's an average. There are absolutely kids that cannot focus independently for more than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, and so keeping the developmental stage of your child in mind and recognizing that, you know, that might mean that math is cooking lunch together. And that's, that's math. You know, right. and listening to a guided story so you can answer a couple emails is okay. Like having that flexibility and being reflective of of what's working and what's not working is is part of yeah. It. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's interesting. Like I'm totally one of those all or nothing parents. Uh-huh. Like that's so me. So I think about okay, the developmental stage that my child can is in in terms of attention. And like I tend to want to go all in on things. So it's a really important point that you're making, especially for parents like me, that it's it's not like you can't be all in all the rules. Like that's my temptation, yeah. right? Is to be all in as the teacher. But I also want to be all in as a therapist. But I also want to be all in as, you know, all the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And how to juggle and kind of chunk and compartmentalize all of these pieces for maybe perfectionists or a type or any, any kind of parent really, but someone who wants to be all in on it is, is going to be a challenge. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. I think that goes back to that piece of, of feeling how hard it is to say, you know, that didn't go the way I wanted to. And I cannot, uh, do this to the level that I was previously, like relaxing that expectation when you have that, that internal perfectionist in all of us, which I I think when it comes to our kids, you know, as parents, it's natural to feel that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can just imagine, um, how valuable the trustful services are right now because they are digital and they are remote and parents are just kind of winging it and needing that support. So I'm sure that you guys are having a lot of these types of conversations. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, we, we are incredibly lucky that we are set up to support parents remotely. Um, it, because, and, and I feel now more than ever that parents need this type of support. Um, because, you know, all of the things that we talk about, like the premise sort of that drove Trestle to begin with was, you know, how can we support parents uh, in this incredibly difficult task of parenting? And now is kind of the, the unprecedented level of difficulty and parents need support more than ever. And in, in some ways, you know, where we are recognizing um, the limitations of of what we can do. Like there are parents that don't have childcare. There are parents who 
are single parents that don't have spouses to share uh, this lift with. Um, There are Mm -hmm. parents who are going through, you know, economic uncertainty um, and, you know, just dealing with basic needs is a worry. And those are um, huge, huge sources of stress. Um, And then on top of that, we're trying to think about things like, you know, providing nurturing and predictability and homeschooling. And uh, so we're, you know, tackling with parents issues that are really big and also issues that um, uh, might be just about the everyday management, but are still really big and really, really hard. And yeah. um, I think that 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 piece of self care and that component of parents taking care of themselves and in a way that's not, you know, not trite. Like I feel like there's all this like, oh, you have to take care of yourself, and I know I have to put the oxygen mask on first. And parents look at it sometimes. I think and think oh, that's another thing I have on my to do list. Like how am I right. supposed to fit this self care in? But really having an honest conversation with parents about what does that mean during this time of stress, and if we can't regulate ourselves. Um, how improbable it's going to be to try to manage uh, the other responsibilities of parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can we maybe unpack what so- a few of those kind of self-care things might look like? Like I know for me personally, um, moving my body and burning off some of the tension and anxiety that builds throughout the day is so important. And there's amazing free virtual resources everywhere right now on some things that you can yeah. do from your home. Um, that's been a really important thing for me. The types of food I'm I'm trying to be conscious of eating, not for any sort of superficial reasons other than just managing anxiety and feeling good and, you know, feeling healthy and things. Um, are there others that you can think of? Yeah. I mean, I think I think for me, part of what what I've been focusing on doing with parents I work with is helping them really identify like what's going on within them. So so recognizing what's happening, which is an acute level of stress that's happening for a couple of reasons. Like we are in this stage of this long-term unknown, this unpredictable, like we don't know when this is going to happen. There's not a clear end point. Right. And that kind of stress produces in us a, a fight or flight response that spikes our stress and has us sort of constantly bracing for this threat, whether it's it's a real threat of I'm very worried about becoming ill or having financial stress or, you know, juggling it all, or it's sort of this mix and a cloud. And what I've been doing is kind of digging into my cognitive behavioral toolkit and thinking about, okay, what are the tried and true strategies we know as psychologists that help parents deal with chronic stress, that help people deal with chronic stress? And how can we apply that to this situation? And so there are, there are the things that you were talking about, which are, uh, you know, the self-care things in terms of moving your body for 30 minutes a day, making sure that you're eating as healthy as possible. Like those are real things. Um, Getting sleep is another really big one for me. Like if I don't sleep, I have a much harder time managing my like anxiety or anxious thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? 
Absolutely. And, and having some time carved out for whatever it is that's going to help. If, if that's connection and, and having a virtual happy hour with your friends or it's taking a bath, even if it's 15 minutes, like something that isn't about caretaking or doing for somebody else, like something that's filling your bucket, I think is an important piece of that. And that's getting at that behavioral piece of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a a type of therapy that's very commonly used, as you know, for for helping people when they're struggling with anxiety or depression or other things. Um, But I think it's, it's also thinking about the cognitive pieces of it too, because our thoughts are so powerful in terms of how they connect to our mood and how we're feeling. Um, And this is, it becomes in some ways like a a psychological task to manage the anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And so anxiety, the whole trick of anxiety, the way anxiety functions is that it makes for, for kids too, like this is what's happening with kids too, is that anxiety makes us think the worst thing is going to happen. And so when we're in this fight or flight response, when we're having this acute stress, anxiety is telling us it's never going to end. It's always going to be like this. I can't do anything right. My kids are going to fall behind in school. I'm a terrible mother. I'm going to get sick. Like we start catastrophizing and snowballing and doing all of these things that in some ways are, are, you know, that flight or flight, fight or flight response is to keep us safe. It allows us to predict the worst things that are going to happen because in some ways it's adaptive until it's not. And that when Mm. you have anxiety, that's what's happening is that your mind is circling through all of these worst case scenarios. And so you have to do something with that. You really do. Yeah. And and yeah. this might also be something that parents need to be doing with their kids. Um, if you have, you know, kids that are really, really scared or having a hard time right now. And so there's a couple things that you can do that are, you know, tried and true strategies uh, from from CBT, but like name it and tame it is one. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you have if you can identify what it is specifically that you're anxious about. So what am I anxious about right now? And then give it some structure. Is it, is it a real threat or is it an unlikely threat? Um, is it something that I can control or something that I can't control? And, and having some time where you're actually kind of writing this down, maybe initially, or through practice, you can get really good at identifying, you know, oh my gosh, this is never going to end. I can't keep this up and saying, stopping myself and saying, okay, I need to name that feeling. The feeling that I'm having is uncertainty. It's because we don't know when this is, as an example, we don't know when this is going to end. So that's me naming it. And then saying, is that something I can control or can't control? Well, I can't control that we don't know that. It's changing all the time. So that's going to go in the can't control bucket. What can I control? I can control what I'm doing right now in this present moment. And so externalizing some of that anxiety and feeling grounded in that is imp- really an important process for self-care. And it's hard, it's hard work. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's possible to try to help 
kind of sort through that cloud um, of anxiety because when you're when you're trying to parent and you're under this this amount of stress or you're feeling really really anxious, it makes uh, the already really difficult task of parenting even harder. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, It's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. 
it's so important to take things day by day right now, yeah. right? Like the like the anxiety in us or the reaction is to want to try and plan ahead to bring some of that certainty, but without the answers, we don't know. And so we're just left like scrambling and thinking about how this is going to, we're not, we're going to go on EI and then we're not going to get paid. And what is that going to mean a year from now, two years from now? And we're so far down a rabbit hole and we're so stressed out that our speculating and our worrying isn't actually helping or impacting our situation in any way. So what we really need to do is serve ourselves by reining those thoughts in, right? Grounding ourselves right now and trying to take in these more present moments that we do have with our children, which is so incredibly hard. And people might even get frustrated, you know, for, for saying that, like, if we're really in crisis and we're struggling, like, I understand that it's not easy to try to ground yourself and enjoy moments, but it is important. And it's, it's essential to find those moments, carve out and lean into those moments of joy, which I talked a lot about in, in the last episode because those are the things that are going to help us and feed and nurture us to get through this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's thinking about problem focused coping strategies are like those action strategies. So like, what can I do right now? And maybe that's, maybe that's helping somebody else. Maybe that's making a schedule. Maybe that's getting through the day and, you know, having one goal for the day. And then those emotion-focused coping strategies, which is like that journaling, the exercising, the meditation, you know, having a mantra, whatever it is. But that might also mean that you're taking some time uh, to vent and you're taking some time to, to get that frustration. Like no, no one is saying that you're supposed to find the center and kind of move through. Like if screaming into your pillow is, is, is an emotive process that you need to do by all means, you know, do that. If you need to vent to a friend, you know, calling a friend and saying like, I just need to have a 20 minute tear about how impossible this is. And I just need to get this out. Um, you know, that's okay too. Uh, I I think it's, it's both of them, you know, and being really mindful that vices don't become, uh, uh, too much of a coping, a coping tool. Right. Because then you get into a spiral. Yeah. I've never seen it laid out in that way before. The emotion-focused coping strategies versus problem-focused coping strategies. And I really like that. It really helps me like put them in the categories and see them um, for what they are and what it is that they're helping. Mm -hmm. There was a really interesting article that came out. I think it was last week. And it was called That Feeling You're Experiencing is Grief. Yeah. Um, And it was in Harvard Business Review. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I did a post about it this morning, quite an in-depth post on my Instagram because it is so, like, when we're talking about name it to tame it, like, name what you're feeling yeah. so that you can really understand and care for yourself accordingly. Yeah. So in the article, they were talking about anticipatory grief. Yeah. So anticipatory grief is the grief you feel when, like, there's been this awful diagnosis of a loved one or something like that anticipation anticipation of either death or you know something devastating happening and that's what we're feeling in a pandemic right now we don't know exactly what it is that's coming or what it's going to look like but we know it's a crisis and we and it's there's a looming you know sort of eeriness about it yep. and then it also talks about collective grief the fact that we're the entire world for the most part, you know, is going through this collective fear and grief and experience right now. So 
understanding and just knowing what you're going through is so important. So if we're talking about grief, talking about behaviorally how we experience grief, you're talking about restlessness, hyperactivity, inability to concentrate and focus, which has been a major one for me. I'm like, why can't I just like get it together and focus? Meanwhile, our prime minister is addressing the nation every day, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's a big Mm -hmm. deal going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Disturbance of sleep or nightmares, loss of appetite or comfort eating. Like you're talking about those vices that kind of come up where we either drop appetite altogether or our appetite increases, right? Emotionally, how we experience grief, anxiety, which is exactly what we're talking about. Like all all the uncertainty creates anxiety, irritability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feelings of detachment, loneliness. And then physically, we also experience grief in our body. So breathlessness, aches, feeling sick, upset, tummy, Mm -hmm. like all of these things. So understanding collectively what we're going through, naming it, and and helping to kind of cope and target those different areas, right? So physically, how do we cope? Emotionally, psychologically, how do we cope? Yep. All of those things. Yep. And 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 it's okay. You know, it's okay to have a, a good cry. And then, you know, and it, it makes sense that you might wake up right now with days kind of blurring into each other and feeling like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is write a schedule on a whiteboard, you know, for my yeah. child. And, and, and it's going to look in some ways like, like how acute depression might look, you know, you could be having that. And, you know, we know when we're working with patients that struggle with depression, like, being able to get up and do that one task, you know, get into the shower and try to, to, to have some of those routines and and guideposts in place. And I think that goes back. I I read that article too, and I, I loved it. And I loved that it resonated with so many people. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the reason why is because it's helpful for people to have an understanding of like, why am I feeling this way? What is it? And, and recognizing in ourselves, like, oh, this is anxiety and this is grief. And and this is, um, you know, uh, feelings of helplessness and, and, and being able to depersonalize that, I think is helpful and recognizing that at the same time, this is also what's happening with our children. Right. You know, one, because we're the emotional, you know, thermostats for our kids. And when we're really anxious, they're, they're going to pick up on that anxiety. Um, but also because our kids are, are grieving too, you know, they're, they're missing their friends and they're missing their experiences. And there's so many kids who are, you know, grieving graduations. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of little kids that are, upset about birthday parties being canceled and helping parents navigate some of those conversations with kids and recognizing that behaviorally, some of the things that they're seeing in kids where kids' anxiety, when it's increased, um, they often act out. That's the way kids express behavior, uh, express anxiety is often through externalizing behavior. They might notice play themes around sickness or uh, more aggression. Um, it's going to impact kids' sleep and appetite. It might you might have your kids start regressing um, concentration and attention. Like these are things that we see in kids when they're anxious. And you know, so if you're trying to do schoolwork with them and they're they're having higher levels of externalizing behaviors or their concentration is is um, 
not what it normally is. Uh, recognizing like one of my mantras when I have found myself getting, um, you know, recognizing my tells for when I'm having, uh, getting to the point where I'm getting frustrated as a parent. One of my mantras is right now, this is hard for her too. Mm. Saying that to myself, like, this is hard for her too. And like trying to put myself in her position too. Um, and recognizing that being cooped up in, in the house is hard for me and it's hard, it's hard for her. You know, yeah. having to do school at home, uh, it's hard for me to be the teacher and it's hard for her to have me be the teacher. And so giving giving ourselves that grace, like we talked about at the beginning, but really giving our kids um, some grace too. Yeah. I really appreciate that perspective. And I do have a JK or as well, like junior kindergarten. Yeah. And he is pretty like adaptable, but he is, he's missing his friends and he loves to learn. So we have been doing some patterns and learning things, you know, when we can and when they fit in. But I think a lot of the people that I work with as well are people who had kids in childcare, mm-hmm. not necessarily in school mm-hmm. that are still younger than school age yeah. and um, are very dependent on mom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we talk about mom's going through and experiencing all this stress and and anxiety and being in sort of this crisis time themselves trying to regulate, but then also having, being on mat leave, having a baby, having a toddler pulling at them, trying to make dinner and all of these different things without regular child care. Mm -hmm. And that is a unique type of demand in the sense that I feel like my J-Care, I probably could set him up with some remote learning. He does some like go noodle and we'll do some videos and do some actions and stuff. Um, But my one and a half of my three-year-old are another story. Mm -hmm. I can't even go pee without somebody following me, right? Yeah. So it's it's an interesting and a little bit more of a different conversation, I think, for moms who are are parenting. Not yeah. that it makes it easier. Like it, like yeah. I'm not trying to compare no, situations, no. but I think that it's a it's a unique or different set of challenges yeah, per yeah. each group, right? Absolutely. Because uh, like they may not be necessarily thinking about how we're going to do tabletop activities, but how like how are we going to survive the day and the tantrums versus how am I going to homeschool? Like those two sort of needs in those families. Are different, right? Absolutely. I have a uh, a good a dear friend of mine who who works for Amazon and she's incredibly busy and she has a one and a half year old and she has been having to do a lot of video calls and she's like, you know, I was on a video call and I like saved his life like three times today. Like you they're one and a half. They can't right. really set up with something, you know, even even something as simple as as screens. And so I think it's an unbelievable challenge for parents. Um, And this is where, you know, truly, because I think it has to be said, there has to be an understanding on the side of the workplace. Mm. We need to start having that dialogue with our coworkers, with our bosses, within organizations around what's realistic, particularly if this continues to, to last. Um, because there are, most parents who are working are, are not, you know, in a position where they have child care and they're switching off child care responsibilities. And so we need to be collectively being creative, um, which means collaborating with our employers about how to make this feasible. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because like I read a post of a, another influencer that I follow this morning and someone had made a comment, oh, like it must be easy for you because your kids are like older and can take care of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, this is a pandemic. This isn't easy for anybody, right? right? Like this is a crisis that everyone is experiencing and there's grief and there's loss that everyone is feeling. Um, but definitely for, and I, and I can just say from my own experience, I have an almost five-year-old and I have a one and a half-year-old. My five-year-old, if I really needed to do a conference call, I could set him up with some educational app or screen time and he'd be quite content. My one and a half year old might fall down the stairs. Like that's a different, like that's a different level of dependency on me throughout the day. Right. So. Absolutely. yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, I, I know in, an, in another episode we did, we were talking about, you know, mommy wars and the, the, the trap of comparison. And I think it, situations like this, it, it, it breeds this feeling where it's very common for people to say like, oh, it's easy for you because X, Y, Z, or like, you know, oh, you know, imagine being a single mom or at least you get to work or, you know, my kids. And I I think what that, where where that comes from is people deeply wanting an acknowledgement of how hard it is. Yeah. And, and rightfully so. It is, I don't know anybody who has had it easy. And there are absolutely, uh, you know, in some ways it it is helpful to have the perspective of, you know, I've had people say to me, you know, oh my, it must be so hard to be pregnant. And I think, well, I'd rather be pregnant than have my newborn right now, you know, or, you know, I look at my friends who are single parents and I, I know two single women who have moved in with one another right now that are good friends that are helping to co-parent with one another. Oh, that's because, so sweet. Because they sort of felt like, like we don't have a choice. Right. This is not doable. And so let's, let's quarantine together. Um, but yeah. recognizing that no, none of us have this easy and, um, you know, sometimes being able to count our blessings. Like, I mean, when I was juggling work, I did have this moment um, where I said, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be grateful right now for the fact that I, that I have this opportunity to work still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still have a paycheck coming in and as hard as it is to juggle all of these responsibilities, like some people don't have paychecks right now. And that's, that's the reality of the situation, right? Right. Exactly. And so I think recognizing that when there is that, you know, that, that cry of like, oh, it must be easy for you. Like one, it's not easy for anybody to, you know, counting our blessings can be helpful. And, 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 recognizing the ways that we are quote, you know, lucky in, in these situations, whatever, wherever that is. And third, you know, understanding that usually when that's happening, it's somebody wanting the acknowledgement that what they're going through is incredibly difficult and just having mm-hmm. somebody acknowledge like this is really hard and this is incredibly difficult for you. And, you know, can I help you? And can we figure out a way to make this easier? And, and sometimes it's, you know, (laughs) we're going to come up short of making it perfect every single time. But, um, you know, is there a way to lighten the load? Um, Or, and at the very least, uh, hear somebody 
express mm-hmm. how hard it is and really listen when they're saying it's hard because it is incredibly yeah. difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not necessarily responding with the, oh yeah, well I got this going on. It's right. like, man, that freaking sucks. Like yeah. that's really, really hard. I'm sorry you guys are having to deal with that. You know, mm-hmm. I think about um, like the hierarchy of needs when we're thinking about prioritizing because I keep coming back to like the education piece and, and, and like if we're thinking about basic fundamental needs like shelter and safety and if we're going to find food and if we have a home to live in because of paychecks, then we're probably not thinking about how we're going to remotely educate our children That's today. Right. That's right. You know, like we're in crisis and we're trying to provide safety and stabilization and get our feet underneath us. And that's, that is the priority. That is the all consuming task of that stage. Right. Absolutely. And then we start to move up on that hierarchy of, um, okay, well, we've got a paycheck. We were, we have our safety. Like we've got food in the fridge. We've got those things navigated. Okay. Like how do we juggle our roles and our family structure and our like work to make this happen? Yeah. Right. And like, that's kind of like security and, and maintaining that security, maintaining our jobs, uh, like how figuring all of that out kind of becomes the next priority. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then think education and schooling then is like, that added level of like absolutely important in life, but it comes like in terms of like levels of crisis, if I'm doing like a risk assessment here or something, you know, um, the education piece and the activities and the, those things, I say activities, because if we're talking preschoolers who aren't in school and we're trying to like have a schedule for them, right. Um, those things start to come once we're getting more out of those crisis zones. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what, that's what is so challenging about this is that we had this sudden swift shift where the priorities where we were able to focus on um you know and 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 the our energy could be spent kind of mulling over you know how do i enrich my child's play and like how do i you know, these things are very important, but all of a sudden the, the, the hierarchy of needs and the priorities radically shifted and, and it makes it really, really hard for people to let go of that focus that they had previously. Totally. I went from like, not actually, this is just an example. I went from like, what playroom rotation am I going to do today to, are we going to have a paycheck? Right. Like, we just dropped to the bottom of the hierarchy of needs. I just from, went from like, you know, self-actualization and all of these kind of like kumbaya kind of moments <laughs> to like, are we going to have a roof over our head? And that's a really significant experience to go through right. and rebuilding up the levels of security in each one of those places to kind of get back to that. Okay. We can resume some of these normalcies of life a little bit. Yeah. It's important. And, and I, I kind of lay it out like this just so that people can understand and really kind of visualize what it is that has been going on so that you can be kind and compassionate with yourself. Absolutely. Like if your child has got remote learning going on and you guys aren't in the space that day, like, and I do think like my, my four-year-old or almost five-year-old Jake Hare likes the routine. He likes to learn. And like, we lean into that if that works. Right. 
But if it doesn't, and if we all just need like a snuggle day and a movie day because it's been a rough go and, you know, parents are laid off and there are just things happening, then have your day to reset. Have your day to do what you need to do and rebuild up those levels of safety and security within those hierarchy of needs. Prioritize those, get them stabilized. And those those other things will come and they will level back out. Yes, absolutely. And 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 recognizing that it's normal And we can't hold the anxiety around, you know, oh, I have to make sure that I'm absolutely maintaining this level at my work and, you know, this level at, you know, my child's education and, and also be worrying about, um, security in terms of our home and being stable at my job. And we can't hold all of those pieces at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and so recognizing that, you know, some things on some days are going to have to fall away. Yeah. Yeah. And giving ourselves permission to, to allow that, you know, on the days that it needs to, in order to get stabilized or to sort things out. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's funny because I also think there's an incredible amount of you know, sometimes guilt that comes in situations like this where people think like, oh my gosh, you know, and the nurses and the doctors that are doing this. And I, I, you know, I can't complain and I can't be overwhelmed with my child's schedule because look at what this person's going through or that person's going through. And I think if you are, if you are in a, in a position where, you know, those, those needs are being met it can be extraordinarily helpful to spend some time if you have the ability to do so being proactive, you know, making, make, get, make, help your kids make masks to help other people or, you know, leave kindness rocks or, you know, drop something in a neighbor's mailbox or, you know, whatever you can yeah. do that feels safe. Um, yeah. you know, have groceries delivered to somebody that, that might not be able to, to need them or donate a, you know, a grocery gift card or something, um, can also be incredibly healing and, and helpful and, and a great opportunity to teach your child lessons beyond, you know, whatever distance learning you're trying to do. Um, I think those things yeah. really can be powerful too. Yeah. I love those ideas. I love those ideas. I've actually done, I'm going to put it out in a couple of days, like a kindness post of just those things, right? Like, picking up groceries for a senior or having them delivered via like, you know, we have Instacart and different things here or paying for the coffee of the person in line in the drive-thru behind you or just these little things. If you have the means, if you have the ability, having dinner delivered to a mom friend who you know is swamped, you know, like things like that, whatever you can do um, if you have the means or or the ability or the space to to do that. And it's like, it, it reminds me of the bucket book that I read my kids. Like it fills our bucket to fill their bucket, you know, like it, it helps you to feel good and feel gratitude, um, when you help other people. So it's really important. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So one kind of like funnier note I wanted to leave off 
on. And and it also ties into um, how you were going to talk about like choose your battles a little bit is that I've seen on Instagram and I've started, I don't know if I'm the first one to use the COVID parenting hashtag, but it's like (laughs) this, like, I don't give a frick, like we're just trying to survive kind of thing. So I had a couple posts over the weekends of like my kids got into the sandbox in the back and it's spring here and everything is muddy. So they were covered (laughs) in mud. But they were having yeah. a grand old time. And yeah. I was just like, okay, this is COVID parenting. COVID I don't care. I can't. I can't care about this right now. Like, they're quiet. They're loving it. They're enjoying it. They're not fighting. Right. Like, I'm going with it. I'm gonna take- or, like, they're ripping all the couch cushions off and, like, uh-huh. jumping off the stairs onto the couch cushions. Yep. And I'm there. And I'm supervising it. And they're safe. And I'm like, this is, like, COVID parenting. Like, I, I can't you know? So can we talk, like, can we finish off a little bit with like the choose your battles? Cause I know like we can't, we can't be on top of it all. Right. No, no. And I think, you know, I think this goes back to like, particularly when you have young kids, like there's opportunity for learning that we, that we, we might not be recognizing, like we think it has to be right. Like the tabletop math activity, but there is something to be said, I think, too, one about, you know, finding the moments to teach your kids like daily living stuff. So like so many parents are like, oh, I want to teach my kids like I've never gone. I've never I don't have the time to sit there with my kids and focus on like how to put your clothes away in the drawer or like how to help me with the laundry or, you know, how to wash the dishes or feed the dog like now you have the time to do that. And that's a really powerful lesson. And so like maybe instead of battling around the academic stuff, like focusing on that, but also like letting yourself off the hook, like we were saying, like there is something to be said, like our kids now are really, really scheduled. And there is research that shows that the overscheduling of kids causes stress. And there is really powerful evidence that this type of free play, getting outside, covering yourself in mud, throwing the couch cushions on the floor, there is powerful learning in that. And so I think, you know, it's, it's COVID parenting you can feel good about. Like, let your kids go and get dirty in the backyard. Yeah. You know, like, oh my gosh, the puddle jumping. Like, they were so covered. And, like, I'm okay, but my husband is more germaphobe. He uh-huh. says, like, he's been preparing for COVID, like, his whole life, because, like, that's the level of, like, germaphobia yeah. is. And so, like, the kids come in and he's just, like, right in the bath, you know, like, they're, they were filthy, but man, did they love every minute of it. And we're coming out of a long winter here in Toronto. Finally, we're getting a glimpse of spring. So they just went all, like, full force in the mud and sand. But it was, it was, they loved it. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to take this moment to, like, drink my coffee while they're just, like, manhandling all the things. And it was, everyone enjoyed it, right? Yeah. Well, but you know, and I think similarly, like two of the things that, that I've put on, on our schedule are like chores in the morning and getting dressed. And I've really, you know, because, um, uh, my, my daughter likes to take her time in the morning. And so, um, famously so, and so a lot of times, you know, on school days, I really have to like be with her and kind of helping her. But now I'm like, well, if she takes 20 minutes to get dressed in her room, like then she takes 20 minutes to get dressed. And she's been coming out in like the most ridiculous outfits. 
And I'm like, that works. Like, great. Looks awesome. (laughs) Sounds good. And then it's like, we'll take a moment to do something. And it might be like, you know, you're going to carry this. The other day, it was like, go empty all the trash cans out. And it was, you know, a mess. And she was like, kind of spilling the stuff all over the place. But it was like doing some of that purposeful work as like part of yeah. the schedule and like being okay with it and like basking in the space to be able to do that and like trying to, to find those moments where, you know, potentially it's an opportunity because we don't have to be as, as um, you know, hurried as we normally mm-hmm. are. And, and letting, letting some of that free play and exploration and like, outside time and slowness, um, you, you not, not only, you know, feeling, feeling, uh, okay with it, but like actually feeling good about it because I do think that there's value. Yeah. And that you don't have to be adopting the school or ap- academic schedule and routine, but that you can incorporate, like you said, those household things like my son, my, the daycare loves to match all the socks for me and put them yeah. together. Like that's matching and patterns and like there's things that he does with that, that like he does at school and that's okay for that to be incorporated instead of just a strict school and academic schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. And I know you're pregnant and you've got a little and you're navigating this just like we all are. So I appreciate your time. And for those who might be looking for some parent coaching and some support, can you tell them where they can find Trussell, where they can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So we've had we've had a couple parents um uh, you know, reach out to us that decided like now's the time they're going to tackle sleep or now's the time they're going to pa- tackle potty training. And that may or may not be the right decision for you. Um, but we are helping parents with those sorts of things. And also, you know, we've been spending a lot of time supporting parents, like I mentioned, around setting up a schedule um, that works for them, helping parents go through navigating, you know, some of these power struggles and how to make things easier. So if parents are looking for that kind of support, we offer that remote support. We have um, uh, amazing coaches on our platform and parents can check us out at Trussell um, and it's www.trussell, T-R-U-S-T-L-E. So it's like trust and then L-E.com. And you can uh, kind of navigate our website, read about our philosophy and how we support parents. And we would love to love to support you. Yeah. And as I've said on on the other episodes that we've had you on, like I just value and love your approach to wanting to work with the parents' value system and what's going to work for them and not bringing in kind of any of your own biases, but just surveying the research that's out there and providing the best thing that will work for them and their families. So I love that. I love how you support families and I really appreciate your expertise here today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. For those who are interested in working with a coach from Dr. Elizabeth's platform called Trestle, she's been generous enough to offer us $40 off your first consultation. So if you go to the website she mentioned, trestle.com, and use the code HAPPY for $40 off. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. 
if you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description. Or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.